When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with you. Boxing Day test now just four days away. You can catch all the action, of course, on SEN. A big part of the team is Barat Sunderacen. He's been good enough to join us this morning. G'day, Barat. G'day, Jules. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, busy packing up the car, packing up the dogs. And, uh, yeah, on my way, I'm just about to leave for Melbourne. Well, I'd hope, given uh, the test, given the test match finished early at the Gabba, you got home, did some domestic chores to help out uh, your better half. <laughs> Oh, of course I did. Yeah, I mean, I tried to delay it, but no, no, I'm kidding. I just, I got in on uh, the night of what should have been day three. And I'll be honest, it did feel a little surreal the next afternoon when I was watching TV at home with the dogs around. And it's like, oh, wow, I should be at the Gabba day four. It, it was a weird finish. It was just a weird um, game overall. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. I got three extra nights in my own bed. Well, that's always a good thing now. Well, we're going to focus on the test match, but I'm just wondering how your night went last night. You would have tuned into the BBL, <laughs> and there was a certain bowler that you're a little bit yes. fond of, went bang, 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 and got a hat-trick. How did that feel in the Sunder Racing household? Look, I just wish it stopped there, and, uh, you know, that massive six didn't happen. Because if, if the world had just stopped at that point, Jules, <laughs> I think it would have been the perfect finale to, you know, whatever, 2023 years of this world, how long we've known this modern world for. <laughs> but no, I mean, look, I was looking, and before I could tweet anything out, I was looking at stats. I was like, I'm sure Michael Nisa is the first bowler ever to take two wickets in two balls or two wickets in the same over in a test match just 10 days before he takes a hat-trick in a T20 match. It's a stat that nobody else would have ever looked for because I don't think anybody cares as much <laughs> as I did at that point. Uh, but yeah, what a man, what a moment. <laughs> for a guy that doesn't play regularly for Australia, he is a very, very good bowler. He's very unlucky that we've got that many good bowlers that he, he can't be playing regularly for Australia. Oh, very much so. And all I kept thinking about was if Michael Nisa had, uh, had played at the Gabba, I would have been sleeping in my bed on the second <laughs> night of the test match. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. He would have enjoyed that. So now that it's all calmed down from that test match and we know, you know, uh, the Gabba's been hit with a demerit point, uh, the ICC weren't mm-hmm. particularly pleased with the pitch. How, how does it all sit with you, that, you know, the talk from the South Africans that it was dangerous, um, where does it all sit with you how that test match finished up? Uh, I mean, look, it, once the test match was uh, over within like within six sessions, let's face it, it could easily have finished in the fifth session if not for some tail end wagging and Zondo showing a lot of uh, grit uh, in the second innings. Uh, you knew that you know the pitch would come in for some flack and there would be some demerit points uh, being floated around. Uh, but I personally thought... Uh, it said, yes, it was a pitch which I think was uneasy for batters. I wouldn't say it was unsafe. Maybe if the game would have drifted into day three and day four, it, it had all the potential to become unsafe. But uh, the cricket we saw, it had a lot to do with two really high-quality bowling attacks. 
uh, one not very good batting lineup that is South Africa, uh, and you know a green pitch which did a lot more than maybe what we expected it to do. It didn't help that the sun never came out. The Queensland sun mm. never really came out the way the curator wanted it to. So the the surface underneath was never dried up. So he had left a lot of moisture, as we now know. Um, and it all just, you know, it, it just became a bad dream, really, in that sense, from a curator's perspective. Uh, but I still thought the fact that two guys faced 96 balls, yep. uh, Bahuma faced over 50 balls in each across both innings. Steve Smith and uh, Zondo, like I said, showed that you could bat properly on that pitch. Mm, kind of told me it wasn't as much of a horror show as some of the other two-day finishes we've seen around the world in the last few years. It's been a Bharat Sunday race, and as we build up to Boxing Day, I feel like Bharat in Melbourne, and I'm not sure what it's like around the country, but there's this growing feeling that, that Josh Hazelwood is going to get the nod for Boxing Day over Scott Boland. Have you got a, a feel for which way the selectors are going to go, and what's the right decision, do you think? Uh, I mean, just the way Cummins has spoken about Josh Hazelwood, uh, you would expect the moment he's fit for him to come back. We saw it at the start of the summer as well, right? I mean, where finished uh, the Australian summer last year or last summer or earlier this year in Hobart, you would have thought he would be an automatic starter. But Australia still have a pecking order and Josh Hazelwood, understandably, uh, is ahead of Scott Boland on that list. So, and unlike last year where after the Gabba when Josh Hazelwood had similar injury issues, uh, you saw, uh, you know, his body not recover in time. I remember him bowling uh, uh, or running in for long periods at the MCG in preparation for that Melbourne Test, in which we, as no, as we know, he didn't play, and then Scott Boland did what Scott Boland did. Uh, you knew he this time around they were being more careful. Careful, the, uh, you know, the team physio said that as well to us in Adelaide. And once he was fit, he would just come in. But I just can't you'll see uh, an MCG test match anymore without Scott Boland running in. For that matter, any test match anywhere in Australia. He's just uh, yeah, he's just a miracle bowler, isn't he? Every time you think, uh, I mean, the law of averages will catch up, yeah. Scott Boland just writes his own script. Doesn't it just make sense what Simon O'Donnell said? I mean, take away the fact that you know, we're, we're in Victoria and we're talking about a Victorian potentially playing, but given Josh Hazelwood's recent injury uh, run, the fact it's a side strain, there's another test coming up very soon. Wouldn't it just make sense to give him one more test off? Um, you would think so, but then I think from the selector's perspective, just that's what they did last year, if you remember. Uh, and it almost made their life tougher. Yep. Than and then it became, uh, you know, Scott Boland almost became undroppable. And that's a question that George Bailey was asked the other day as well. Like, when does Scott Boland become undroppable? Uh, and very diplomatically and understandably, he said, uh, when he is uh, in the, uh, you know, the top three bowlers for every test match that we are going into. So if the selectors and Pat Cummins feel like Josh Hazelwood is ahead of Scott Boland, like, uh, like I said, they've said very many times, and I mean, his record speaks for himself overall, like what the last eight, nine years, uh, they would just have to go in with, with Josh Hazelwood because think about it, the next test series is in India. It's not likely that Australia are going to play more than two seamers. Yep. So Stark and Cummins, you would expect to play ahead of the other two. So maybe they're looking at that as well and thinking, well, Hazelwood's not going to get too much test to get between now and the Ashes or the World Test Championship final. Uh, so they want to ease him back in. And you don't want him to feel left out either. That, that's right. 100% right. Now, David Warner, it's, it's a massive test for David Warner. Just We'll put his form to one side because it's his 100th test match and we should be celebrating that. It's an, an amazing achievement and he's got a fantastic record for Australia. Just interested, 
when did you first hear about David Warner? When did you first see him play? And, and when you think of David Warner, is there an innings or two that, that come to mind? Is there a, a shot of his that he plays that comes to mind? Just give us a snapshot of, of David Warner in your opinion. Uh, the first time I saw him in person was uh, when I was covering the 2009 Champions League. It feels like a long time ago because it was a long time ago. Uh, when he came uh, to India with the New South Wales team in Hyderabad, they famously beat Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, and you could already see that there was just something. I mean, he was like a live wire even back then. I mean, it's amazing how he's managed to be a live wire even now on the field. Uh, there was just some this this crazy energy about him, about his batting and everything else he did on the field. He looks looked like he was just yeah, 16 years old to be honest. Uh, and, and I think it's it it's if you look at the history of world cricket in the last 15 years, it was a crucial moment because at that point David Warner was an outlier. Nobody ever thought he'd play one test. Forget the fact that you thought that he would be around 13 years later to play his 100th test match. And in that same tournament, Jules, Kyron Pollard also makes his first real mark. Uh, and we saw where his career went from there. So David Warner was expected to be one of those. Uh, he was supposed to be one of the first guys to go fully white ball. But he took the other route. And it just says a lot about his passion to play test cricket for Australia, the passion to be a world beater across all formats. And I mean, there are so many David Warner innings that stand out. But one I do remember is when he completely... Dismantled, uh, dismantled India in Perth in uh, what was it, 2011-12, where poor Vinay Kumar played his only test, and I think David Warner got uh, David Warner got a century in the first session, or at least in one session. Mm. Uh, so that innings, of course, that comes stands out. Uh, but there have been so many over the years, and um, yeah, I mean, you just can't bowl with to David Warner, right? Which is also kind of uh, why people are questioning his uh, his future. Because the, the way he's been getting out in this summer, chasing the wide one mm. and playing on, that was never David Warner. Uh, that was just, you know, you were playing into Warner's hands. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been a, he's been, he is one of Australia's greats. I mean, you can't deny it. Uh, he might have divided opinions uh, over the years. I mean, right throughout his career, and he continues to do that. Uh, but not just an Australian great. I think he's one of the greats of uh, modern-day cricket. And you mentioned the South African batting before, Bharat. Um, we've seen last year they didn't have to get big scores to win test matches because their bowling attack can do some serious damage. Can they find an extra 100, 150 runs in this test match to, to make it a real struggle for the Aussies uh, with the bat? Uh, I, I think that's where uh, they let themselves down in, at the GABA as well. Uh, if they had somehow, and Australia, will, if they're honest, and they were, they did not bowl very very well in the first inning. They made up for it in the second innings. Uh, but South Africa should have got to 220, 230. And then the whole game looks very different, doesn't it? Uh, I, I think, unfortunately for them, you look at that top five. I mean, Dean Elgar... Back when South Africa were winning test matches here, or test series here, he was the sixth best batter on the yeah. side. Now, all of a sudden, he's the, your best batter. And you have four others, Bauma included, who are all in their mid-30s, who all have middling first-class averages. Uh, as a result, there's so much load on Elgar. And even though, you know, Kyle Verena said, after playing really well, that whatever they put on the board, once they go back to the dressing room, they look at their bowling attack and they feel like we can defend it. It's, it's, it's unfair to expect Rabada and Nokia to bail you out game after game after game. So I just think it's uh, somebody needs to put their hand up. There is skill there. I mean, Avia, uh, I thought, looked very good. Rasi Vanderdusen averages 69 in one-day cricket. It, it's not that there is any lack of skill. Uh, they just need to, yeah, you know, kind of uh, put their foot down and 
hopefully find a way to get to 250. If they do, whatever the pitch has to offer, uh, that could well be a winning total for South Africa. Well, Bharat, uh, safe journey over. Uh, have a fantastic Christmas day, and we can't wait uh, for it all get, to get underway on Boxing Day. Thanks again for your time. Anytime, Jules. You have a great Christmas as well. And, yeah, I can't wait to get back on the road. Catch every ball. The Boxing Day test on SEN coverage begins at 9am Boxing Day.